the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 221. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Hey, Bill. Great to, uh, great to have you back on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Now, a little bit different this time, isn't it? Yes, we're doing this via Skype, which is all very, um, I was going to say, very 2010 of us, I suppose. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, such is what happens when we end up in different cities or different countries uh, on the day that we plan to record. So, yeah, we don't have teleporting yet. This is sort of the closest we get for now, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so jumping in first up, a couple of little news bites. Techvana, which is the New Zealand Computer Museum, they found themselves a, a sponsor, and that's now going to be called the NTech New Zealand Museum, uh, New Zealand Computer Museum. And uh, so for those that hadn't come across the uh, Computer Museum before, we've seen it uh, the last couple of years at the Digital Nations event at Vector Arena, and they've been looking for a permanent home to operate out of, and they found that with NTech, and they're going to be uh, based on their campus at 25 Federal Street in the Auckland uh, CBD. So those that are fans of old school tech, I guess, will be able to go there and, uh, and have a look. Bill, like is, this, is this of interest to you? Well, I, it's a place I might go if I want to get an old 8-inch eight, floppy red or something, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Why, are you telling me you've still got 8-inch floppy disks floating around there? No, but I think I've got some 3-inch ones somewhere that yeah. I don't know, are probably not very useful. But, no, I am interested in that. I mean, I've, I've been around in the business for more than 30 years now, so there'll be a lot of stuff in there I'll recognise, some old friends, I'm sure. Yeah, they've definitely got some fun stuff. I certainly enjoyed you know, seeing what they had at Digital Nation. Now, on to another item, Netflix. It's been detailed that Netflix aren't going to be charging GST in New Zealand. It's causing a little bit of controversy there, Bill. I'm not sure that Spark are uh, too pleased that there's not a very uh, level playing field if, well, uh, if Netflix can get away without charging GST and everyone else has to. Well, uh, I would imagine QuickFlix would be just as upset as well. And, in fact, anyone who's in that market who's locally based now – We don't really know what the legal position is and whether Netflix can get away with it yet. So I'm not a lawyer, you're not a lawyer, so we could be moving a bit out of our depth. But my guess is that at some point the IRD are going to go and have a a closer look at that and make a decision over whether it's actually permissible or not. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's certainly possible if an organisation doesn't have a true local New Zealand presence and they're offering this type of service, I guess it's possible for them to get away without it. But, yeah, what the actual legalities are and so on around that, you're right, I'm not a lawyer and and I certainly don't know all the ins and outs. So that'll be an interesting one just to watch and see what happens. I also Um, think it might come down a bit to the way that they're licensing material here as well, whether if they're paying local companies to license the material, in New Zealand, that might have some bearing on how they can charge. But it's certainly, it's not as if Netflix doesn't already upset that entire market for streaming movies and so on before they get to the point that they've got a 15% price advantage over the competition. So, Well, I mean, how they choose to price may or may not vary according to whether there's tax or not anyway, but I guess we'll find that out pretty soon. And they might take that as a profit. Because they'll be launching this time next week, uh, next Tuesday, I believe, not far off. Now, some gadgets. We're going to come back to the HTC One M9. That gets its launch today here in Sydney. Now, 
one gadget I have been playing around with, and in the last few weeks, Parrot has sort of sent over a, a few uh, bits and pieces to play with. One of their things that I've been playing with is the AR Drone 2. Now, this one has actually been around for quite a while. It's not a new product, and in fact, the reason that I got it is I was really interested in their new drone, which was announced late last year, and it's just starting to become available. So I had a little bit of a play around with the AR Drone 2. It's pretty cool, but it's by no means sort of cutting edge. So I'm very much looking forward to what's new from Parrot. Um, the AR drone is, I guess, it's um, more aimed as a certainly not at the sort of the professional end of the scale. Right at the other end of the scale, you control it with your smartphone or a tablet. A lot of fun to play with, but when you look at the video quality that captures, it's pretty poor. Yeah, you know, it's nothing you really could use for real professional work. But that said, uh, Parrot have some new product coming to the market soon, so we'll be keeping a lookout for that. And But if you're just looking for something fun to play with, then you know, the AR Drone 2 certainly fills that gap. And the AR that's at the front of its name is Augmented Reality and there are some gaming type augmented reality games that you can play with it as well so that's one of the uniques there from Parrot with the AR drone but we'll drill more into a bit more into drones in future weeks but just wanted to cover that one off for people looking for something to play with now let's jump in Office 2016 Bill now you've been running this on your Mac I've installed a Mac as well it's also now available for Windows how are you finding Office 2016 for the Mac because it's been a long time since Microsoft have had a new version of Office it's in the uh, as the last Mac one world. was 2011 the 2011 edition means that it probably reached the market in 2010 so we're five years between drinks in that game it's exactly what i wanted the main thing about versions of windows or sorry the main thing about version of office on the mac is whether it's just recompiled windows code or whether they've actually done much customization to get to use apple like features now I haven't spotted things like continuity and so on firing up yet, and I don't. And I suspect that they're not in this release if it's coming at all. But it does integrate quite nicely with the OSX menuing system and so on. It does feel uh, you know nicer than well, certainly a lot nicer than 2011 edition. But it feels a bit nicer than. I mean, I've been cheating. I've been running the last Windows version of Office on my Mac using VirtualBox and Windows. So I've been able to you know get Office up when necessary and are running the last Windows version on the Mac. And this is so much better. This is much smoother. It's There's a few features which aren't implemented yet. Every so often you come across, you know, this feature isn't implemented yet. And it's generally things that are a little bit more drilled down in interface between the software and the and OSX. But in general, it's a very nice, smooth piece of software, and it's very Office-like. I mean, Office has massively improved over the 2010 version. Uh, the win- sorry, the Windows Office has massively improved over the 2010 version, and the leap forward from 2011 is, you know, is, is more so again. So mm. I'm really used to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a step up from Office 2013 on Windows, and as you say, big big leap from 2011 on the Mac. Yeah, from my time with it on the Mac, they are keeping a, uh, a sort of a Mac-esque sort of uh, feel to it. It doesn't, to me, look just like the Windows version recompiled. They seem to have spent a lot of time on that. In fact, yeah, what we were originally hearing going back about a year was that we were going to see a new version of Office for the Mac last year, which was, I guess, to sort of line up with Office 
iOS 2013 on Windows and it seems that they've held it back and actually they've lined the two up which uh, I don't know if that's ever happened before with Microsoft that we've seen Office arriving in any form on Mac or Windows at a, in a very, very similar time frame. It's always been if you're on a Mac, Microsoft sort of treated you like the, the poor cousin with a you know a not as good version of Office and quite a delay in terms of its launch and yeah. availability. So uh, this is good, good to see. A bunch of new features that are sort of coming in there. One of them is the data loss prevention capabilities around information rights management where you can really you know, lock down what happens with particular content and that can yeah that tends to tie in with either running those tools within your business's server infrastructure or in the in the cloud in the office 365 type world so those capabilities are catered to I believe on both the Mac and Windows side you can lock down content and yeah people won't be able to read it unless they're actually authorized to which is nice without having to go through putting passwords and yeah, manual passwords on content which you might forget and lose access to the content entirely so that looks good but I think I will be spending a bit more time with it over the over the next few weeks and of course it is really just in a you know this isn't the final version of the product yeah that will come over the next few months I'm sure uh, I think at this stage Seb, those are due in the second half of the year is that what you've been hearing Bill? Yeah yeah I, I heard about the middle of the year there's definitely I mean it's definitely the I think Microsoft's definitely skipped a generation here. It's um, it's a big leap forward in that sense. The other thing is, I get the impression that Microsoft's moving towards one code base for everything Windows. And I don't know why, but it, this feels like this is part of that strategy, that the idea that Office comes out first on Windows and everyone else has to wait, it's, it's just gone from the thinking at Microsoft. I mean, the iPad version, for example, is a beautiful piece of software and there's still not really a touch version for Surface tablets and so on. So it seems that there's, a, or it's almost like a sort of unified model for software, uh, for, you know, for application software in Microsoft now, which is, which is a really good step forward. Yeah, no, I mean, we've got, I mean, that's available, I think, now. We're talking preview as well, the um, the touch-optimized version of uh, of Office. But, you know, all of these things are, uh, are yeah, haven't, haven't quite launched yet on uh, on Windows, whereas, yeah, as, as you say, uh, iPad and uh, and even Android now, you've got, uh, you've got Office. So, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's an interesting transition, but it's, yeah, I think something where, where Microsoft have really changed you know, how they operate, the fact that they're launching uh, all these things, you know, not exactly simultaneously, but they're really uh, upping their uh, the development cycles and things are becoming available uh, quicker and, and across a whole range of platforms, which is, I think, great for, uh, for users, that's for sure. Um, now, in terms of uh, new devices, Bill, uh, one that we've both been, uh, we've both been looking at uh, is the new... Um, Asus uh, Transformer Book T300 uh, that was uh, this was shown off recently at uh, at CES and it's now uh, it's now here in the country. Um, now it's a it's quite a nice device in terms of its its look and feel and it's a um, it's a hybrid so it's a tablet slash laptop so you can separate off the uh, the tablet piece uh, 13.3 inch uh, screen. Uh, or you can have it snapped into uh, sort of docking base, 
and it's got Intel's new uh, Core M chip inside it, which allows it to be very, very slim and uh, and sleek, while you know providing a uh, a reasonable uh, level of performance. Now, how have you how have you found it from your uh, your little time uh, playing with it? Because I know it's only just just arrived uh, in the country. The first few uh, review units. Yeah, I haven't had it that long, but I have. I, have, I gave it a showing this morning on First Line on TV3, and um, the thing, and I did have a good look at it over the weekend. I I found it's lighter and slimmer. By that I mean thinner than the MacBook Air. It's it's got that wide screen, which is it's really weird as a tablet, but it's great for watching widescreen movies. Um, but my word, it's strange if you put it into that landscape. Uh, sorry, that, uh, into the portrait position. Right, as a tablet, because it's because it's so wide. The, yes, yeah, the so, T three hundred G. Yeah, yeah. Or, or when it's or when you put it into the portrait, it's very thin and long. Yes, yeah. Um, but it's it, it it's nice. It's, it's a bit fiddly the way you power the um, the base station part of it. Yeah. Um, which and I, I got caught out because there's a there's a plug which is actually a dual plug and you have to put the mini um, USB into one part of that to charge the base station. Um, but for, from a typing point of view, is the the, the, um, the keyboard part is as good as you'd get on a laptop. It's the same price as a MacBook Air, and for that for the sort of MacBook Air money, you get a, a thinner, lighter model. You don't get quite the battery life, but you but you don't get much less. Um, I find the wide screens not brilliant for the kind of work I do, which is a lot of writing. Which means, like, you know, a deeper screen is 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 good for that. Um, but now, let me let me clarify on the screen. I said before, thirteen point three inch. I was getting mixed up with the previous uh, with the previous model, the T three hundred Chi. I think is a twelve point five inch screen, isn't yeah. it? Um, yes. yes. So just um, to, just to correct on on that point, and it's a WQHD um, display, which means you 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 know you you're talking a really nice uh, high high definition display. Yeah, it's, it's it's as I say, it's beautiful for watching movies. It's a bit odd if you're writing in the landscape position because you because it's like writing. It's like those old pillar box screens you used to get with the very first you know the very early laptops, um, and that's but but. Um, it's a, it's a really lovely piece. I mean, if you decide that you don't want, uh, you don't want to go down the Mac route, and Surface isn't quite the right thing for you, this is a is a great alternative. And of course, the um, the promise of Surface is that you have a Surface and you don't need to have a laptop and a tablet. Uh, whereas Apple's approach is very much you know you have an iPad and uh, and some kind of Mac if you, you, know, you have both. Um, the Transformer is a is a nice alternative. To the surface, I think it's a it's a it's a good price. Um, it's a great product. It's what what strikes me is um, how far up market Zeus has come in the last eighteen months or so. It's gone from being a um, you know a rather sort of almost unbranded brand to a, to quite a quality brand. Yeah, well, they're certainly putting a real effort into their design, aren't they? Um, and at, Compu- at Computex uh, last year, um, yeah, this was really very much one of the standout uh, announcements. Was uh, was the Qi, the T three hundred Qi, and yeah, from a design perspective, yeah. It, it is a really nice piece of kit. The uh, you know the, the the tablet piece. I think it's seven point uh, seven point three millimeters uh, thick. 
and you know you've got that Core M uh, processor in there, so um, yeah, you've you've got a reasonable amount of, of power. I mean, this is the uh, you know, effectively the same processor that we're seeing in the um, in the new MacBook uh, Air that was announced uh, last week, and you've got that yeah very high definition display. Uh, I think it's seven. Just over seven hundred grams for uh, for that piece. So um, yeah, it's very nice. I mean, once you add on the base, which has its own battery, and uh, um, it, you know, that clips in magnetically quite nicely. So it's a little bit uh, simpler than ones we've seen in the past. I guess it's a almost a little bit like the uh, the Surface Pro, how that sort of sticks together with its keyboard mag- magnetically. Um, yeah, I think you know they've done a good job with this. I think that you know they've 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 still got some. Uh, some things to overcome if they're really going to get into that business market for uh, professionals to use. Uh, they don't have, for instance, uh, the things like a, a three-year on-site warranty, which you know, businesses are expecting uh, generally that level of, uh, of service. Uh, a device that just is limited to a, a, a return to base one-year warranty tends to uh, be picked up mostly by um, those in very small businesses or, or just consumers. So, um, yeah, that, that's something I guess that they'll uh, they'll have to address if they you know they want to keep sort of moving up the uh, the food chain there. Um, now, have you seen a New Zealand price for this? I think I saw uh, yes, thirteen hundred. Eighteen hundred dollars uh, for those two versions. There's Australian. And a fourteen hundred model, right? Yep. So the thirteen hundred Australian one will relate to the fourteen hundred dollar yep. uh, New Zealand, and then that you've got the next one up. Okay, good, good. Um, now, also the other thing I've been having a little bit of a look at is the uh, is one of the things that was was shown off at at CES. In fact, um, I think it was the competitions product that I saw at CES. This is the thirty four inch uh, twenty one by nine widescreen. And it's uh, it's curved. The the one that I've just received is from LG. Uh, I think this was already launched by CES uh, or by LG during or before CES. But at CES we saw HP and Samsung had similar products. Uh, but these are still a little way off. Haven't seen any sign of those in New Zealand. Uh, but absolutely gorgeous and I think a, a, a great alternative to two monitors having having it all in one with that super widescreen format. Uh, now these are available both in flat screen and curved. The uh, curved format is around the $1,800 mark. Uh, the flat variant is about $1,000 and then there's a 29 inch uh, version which, which comes in at a lower price point uh, from, from there which might be a bit more mainstream but I think the uh, the 34 inch is going to be perfect. People are going to love using that, so uh, I think I'm, that will I'm work who really would, well. I mean, is the curved screen aimed at consumer markets or at business markets? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably probably either. Um, the the curved when you're sitting in front of a monitor that wide, I guess it it, it, it just has a nicer aesthetic to it. And if you're uh, if you don't have great sight, then the, the far edges of it don't feel quite so further away with the, the curve. But it is a very it's a very slight curve. Uh, so you know, and you are paying a big premium. That difference between a thousand and eighteen hundred dollars to get the curved one. Um, I'm yet to see the flat one. Uh, you know, side by side with the curved one. I think, yeah, they were showing off a, a flat variant of it probably a year or so ago at uh, yeah the, at CES last year. Quite a nice product. Definitely something I'm uh, I'm pretty keen to keep using. Yeah, my guess is that it would be pretty lousy for design, but a, a designer might 
um, think otherwise. But um, I, you know, I, I think you probably need flat screens to do to, to design stuff. Um, but I can see that if you're if you're in a job that involves reading a lot of data, you know, maybe you're looking at incoming feeds or um, you know prices or whatever, clicking up on screen, then the curved screen would be great. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, very, very, very impressed with it. With it, uh, in, in terms of a way of working and being able to split your screen in two, but have virtually a full screen for you know each thing you're looking at is uh, is great. So I think some real productivity benefits of it there. All right, well I think that that's us for uh, for this week, uh, Bill. We may well have a, a segment coming up uh, shortly on the new uh, HTC One M9 uh, after that event, which will um, which will come in straight after this but thank you again for joining me for those who are wanting to uh, find you online where's the best place to track you down bill billbennett.co.nz that's two n's and two t's or billbennettnz on twitter that's great all right well thank you for your time you're welcome Okay, so I'm back from the launch of HTC's One M9 in Sydney, and it's time just to jump in and really uh, run through the highlights of of what I saw there, and I've got the HTC uh, One M9 uh, here with me now. So first up, uh, pretty impressed with the build quality of uh, of this handset, and of course the HTC One M9 uh, is is really H- HTC's competition to the top handsets from Samsung and from, from Apple. Uh, of course, HTC you're not really having the same market presence as as the uh, the two companies I've just mentioned, um, but they are known for for building a really uh, a really nice stylish handset, uh, unibody uh, metal design, and they've really just notched it up a, a, a little bit this time round. So uh, similar approach, but what they're saying now is the handset takes about twice as long to manufacture, six hours uh, in production. Uh, and most of that going into uh, how they machine the metal uh, unibody uh, shell, which does look uh, pretty nice, I must say. It's a um, uh, they've done something unique with sort of a, a, a two tone, so you've got the the mix of uh, silver um, and a and a and a gold look to it. Um, now the micro SD slot, of course, we, we're starting to move in with the high end phones into a position where most of them can't be expanded in terms of storage. Uh, the HTC One M9 comes with 32 gigs inside it, but rather uniquely, they're saying that the the um, the micro SD expansion slot that it has uh, will be able to take a card up to two terabytes in size. Now, of course, there's none of those in the market at the moment. Uh, One twenty-eight gigabytes is the has uh, uh, been the typical norm for uh, for a little while. Um, Those Samsung have just uh, just recently announced in the in the past two or three weeks uh, that they have a two hundred gigabyte uh, card coming so uh, that's uh, it's 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 slowly there but it's still a tenth of the two terabytes that uh, HTC claim is uh, is technically possible uh, so that's nice uh, now looking at the cameras and you know in a high-end phones is definitely something that uh, is really important it's something you pay that premium price for is to get a great camera uh, what HTC have done is they've moved that uh, ultra pixel camera that used to be on the rear of the HTC one m8 uh, they've moved that that ultra pixel um, technology into the front for their, their front facing or selfie camera, uh, and the result of that is it's pretty impressive in low light situations. Just from my uh, my initial time testing it, uh, their rear camera has jumped to uh, twenty megapixel 
so that's you know pretty much at the uh, at the high end of, of what most manufacturers are uh, are offering. Uh, in terms of how that looks, uh, you know, the, the my initial just uh, a few quick tests on it lo- looks fairly good, um, but I'm going to need to spend a bit of time comparing it up against the iPhone 6 Plus, Galaxy S6, uh, Nokia Lumia 920 to see how it you know how it really compares in sort of real world situations. Um, one last thing around the uh, HTC M9 before we end up. Um, Waterproof and dustproof capabilities. Now, not something we've expected from uh, from HTC. They, they, you know, they haven't been doing that in the past. But of course, uh, Sony have been offering uh, phones at the top end of of their offerings and a little bit lower down. They have waterproof and dustproof capabilities. And of course, uh, Samsung with the Galaxy S five uh, had that. Well, HTC have addressed this in the form of the active cover, and it's going to uh, it's going to offer that uh, waterproof and 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 dustproof uh, capability, so you can uh, dash down to the beach, etc., uh, take some underwater photos uh, and the like. So it's kind of nice uh, for the geeks. It's uh, it's IP rating is IP sixty eight. All right, well that's it. That's us for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thank you very much for uh, for joining me. You can track us down uh, online on social media. Uh, at NZ Tech Podcast on Twitter, nztechpodcast.com. And for a, uh, a broader lineup of podcasts, visit podcast.co.nz. All right. Thanks, everyone. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.